0: Welcome to A Brodacious Life. This is a show dedicated to the idea that all people from any background can design a life worth living. It all starts by organizing your life with the five F's. Faith, family, freedom, finance, and fun. We call this A Brodacious Life. Are you ready to design your best life, your brodacious life? If so, then this
1: is the show for you. So this is the second half of an in-depth conversation with our friend Fitz Kohler. So who is Fitz Kohler, in case you missed our last episode? She's a fitness innovator, a race announcer for the LA Marathon, Big Sur Marathon, Philadelphia Marathon, DC Wonder Woman Run series and more. She's a speaker, a cancer crusher, and author of My Noisy Cancer Comeback, Running the, running the Mouth While Running for My Life. We had a fantastic conversation with her. The, in our previous episode, we discussed the sport of running, the do's and the don'ts, and her life as an announcer at these amazing events. This conversation is more in-depth look at Fitz as a person in her struggle and perseverance as she battled through cancer so hang tight and be inspired by a person who had to travel to the depths of her own humanity and fight back I was so motivated from this conversation and I know you will be too You know, in the midst of your career, you know, you had to face some very tough adversity. You know, you know, it's the topic of your book, and I wanted to just learn a little bit more. You know, forgive me for asking. You know, if, if a question is too personal, but you know, how did you discover your cancer? You know, what were what were your initial thoughts? Okay, so I had breast
2: cancer, and I had had a clean mammogram, sparkly clean mammogram, at the end of December 2018. So about six weeks later, I was in a hotel bathroom during a race weekend. Came out of the shower. I rubbed my underboob, just scratched it, and I found a lump. And I thought, Oh, Jesus, there it is. I mean, it was so blatant to me, this lump was going to kill me. So picked up the phone within thirty seconds, called the doctor. I didn't hem and haw about it. And I encourage anybody, if you find someone something weird on your body, call your doctor. Just get it checked yes. out. I didn't even tell my family. I just decided I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cry over spilt milk. I'm not going to an alarm until I know there's a reason I found the lump on a Thursday the very next Thursday I was in I had a man another mammogram then another then I had an ultrasound and that radiologist said she she said you know this mask looks suspicious but there's three really hard swollen lymph nodes I'm concerned about and at that point I knew it had spread and I thought oh my god I'm definitely dying it was terrifying and it's interesting because parents know this you know you you fear for your life but really what you Fear is missing your kid's life. You know, all I could think was Ginger and Parker. They were 16 and 14 at the time. And I was so desperate to be with them. That was it. You know, and then, and then later on, I started bemoaning my hair loss and so forth. But I definitely thought I was dying. And, and one of the main reasons I thought I was dying, because I had no data. I just decided, well, I'm I, in some regard, the perfect beacon of health and happiness. And I have the perfect family and the perfect career. I will make the perfect tragic tale. I just knew there was going to be this oh, life no. <laughs> story based on the poor, you know, the, the noisy fitness expert, a race announcer, crushed by cancer. So um, Is, it, it was, was really.
1: Was there like, that frustration, though, of I'm living a healthy life because my grandfather went through this. My grandfather, he did not. He lived everything in all natural. Like if he didn't grow it. He didn't eat it, wow. and he didn't really believe hardly in cooking things. Like he loved to just eat and, you know, go around. And that's kind of how I like to live. I like to just kind of walk outside. I'm hungry. I'll pick a pear, you know, and he kind of lived this lifestyle. And then for him to get stomach cancer was just this big moment of how, how, how did this happen? Did you have that moment that was, you know, well, I'm living this healthy lifestyle. You know, how, how does this happen? I'm not a whiny kind of girl.
2: I'm not That just—I don't do it. I mean, I could be run over by a bus, and I still wouldn't ask why me. As as we look around, cancer's everywhere. It's right. just everywhere. It's rampant. So I didn't think that way. And you know what? For I can I can understand the people that have lung cancer that never smoked a cig- cigarette, really scratching their head, but. You know, I just I had one rogue cell. That was it. I had one rogue cell, and really, perhaps the great gift is that my health and fitness. Maybe it had turned off or killed millions of rogue cells before this one was successful. Right? Maybe all of my healthy habits did pay off there. But what was interesting is I had my chemo was broken into like the first five and a half months. We called the mean chemo. It was the most toxic combination of chemo drugs they give to anybody. And I responded accordingly. I was violently ill every day for that amount of time. And then they moved me to a lesser chemo for about 10 months, which was still mean, but not as mean. Every part of me had become become wrong. My eyes changed color. My vision was damaged. My fingernails, my toenails were ripping off. My skin was bad. It was just every part of me. Was uh, deteriorating, and it was right before my sixth round, my sixth and final round of the mean chemo. So I show up to my wonderful doctor, Lucio Gordon, I love. And um, I, at this point, I was a little bit of basket case because you know what? Chemo number one is scary because it's the unknown. Right. Chemo number six far scarier because it's the known. Right. There's no more questions. You know exactly what's going to go on. And it's yes very, very stressful. Even when I felt like, okay, this is, I, I could say the words that. I'm so grateful for these drugs that are killing my cancer. It's just that natural response is terror, right? So I walk into his office and and they have these forms where you got to fill out. Apparently my answers to the form finally set off alarms and he starts talking to me about my mental health. And oh, he goes, no. I got to tell you, you've done so well. And I said, I have not done so well. It's like, no, Fitz, you've been doing so great. And I said, why are you saying this again? I'm bald. I'm gray. I've got no lashes. I'm just a, I look like Voldemort and I feel the same. And I say, why do you keep saying that? Every part of me has gone wrong. He said, it's not that you haven't suffered. You have suffered greatly. He said, however, despite the suffering, you have gotten on more planes and had more adventure than most healthy people do in 10 years. He said, you've been gone every single weekend. And you've been hosting millions of people and you've been getting on these planes like, you, like you're made of steel. He said, your health and fitness has been a godsend. If you did not take such good care of yourself coming into this thing and during, you would have been hospitalized for not only one day, which I was, you would have been hospitalized for a month. You would have a feeding tube. So your health and fitness has worked beautifully. It's done exactly. What it's supposed to do. You know, that, that moment was also one of those inspirations for the book, right? Because right. with your healthy cancer comeback, the next two, these ones are laser focused on the patient, right? You go in, someone says those hideous words, you have cancer. Well, what now? Well, I think Western medicine has got a lot of solutions and we should take those, but there's also a lot of control we have. And, right. and my attitude is I was going to control every bit of the, my fight against cancer that I could. I did. And and I'm I'm living proof that, uh, you know, if you take good care of yourself, you can only not only prevent some decline, but you can really rebound quite impressively and live larger than you did before cancer. So it was a terrifying diagnosis.
1: I'm glad it's over <laughs> glad for sure. So, you know, you mentioned that you were out on the road, even while you were doing treatments and what was that like to kind of be there in the midst of fun controlled chaos that goes on before a marathon, you know, is it still sitting in the back of your mind of this is what's going on in my life versus, you know, the event that you're at, or is it i I'm just going to kind of compartmentalize everything. Like how does, how were you able to, to stay positive and just like you mentioned, when you're an announcer, you are you're the DJ, you're the you're the hype man. You're like Flavor Flav of the marathon. So how yeah. how did you how were you able to to do that? Have that mentality and to be able to push through.
2: So what I can tell you is that you know it's the travel was the hardest part, the hours on planes, feeling that way. But I would on many occasions. Go to sleep on the bathroom floor, right? You know how you sleep on the bathroom when you're sick. I'd fall asleep yeah. on the bathroom floor. My alarm would go off at 4:30 in the morning, and because uh, races start early, and I would get up and I would get dressed, and and you know all the things that were wrong with me were very very apparent. And then when I step onto my stage, magically, almost every time, all those things that were wrong with me disappeared because at that point my my complete focus was on these thousands of extraordinary people that showed up to do great things for their own health, great causes, their communities. And uh, I got to be full force Fitz Kohler again, as long as I was standing on those stages with a microphone in my hand. It was such a blessing. And, you know, we say during the time and, and still my greatest stubbornness was my greatest asset and my greatest curse. Again, so many people would have just like called it a day, said, I'm checking out, I'm gonna stay in bed for a year and a half. And if I had done a job that I didn't care about, I probably would have checked out too. But this is the beauty of pursuing your passion, of building a career out of something you adore, something you enthusiastically wake up to with the desperation to get to it. That's the career I've built for myself. And I I obsessively worship these runners of mine. I'm so grateful for my race directors, the organizers. Man, they went through some interesting um, efforts to keep me upright. I I had IV fluids in many of the cities I visited. I'd get off the plane oh, wow. and I was suffering from severe dehydration always because of my sickness. So they they would I, these men and women that their job was putting on big races. Now they were going okay. Well, now they're going to find someone to give our noisy lady some IV fluids. But our race community is like a great big family and. You know I made it. I made it. So whoever you are, whatever you do, you know, don't don't give up on your passions, your pleasures. If work is one of those things, then then stick with it as much as you can. Work from home if you have to. If you love soccer and and you normally play, if you can't play, fine, watch it on TV. If you love animals, but you're stuck in the hospital, watch them on uh, YouTube. Just keep your passions involved with your life because they can
1: pull you out of your funk and help you feel, alive again. If you could go back in time, you know, into that moment of getting you're getting that word and that the second that that C word comes out of their mouth, you can go back and talk to that fits. What would you tell that fits?
2: Uh, I would tell her to continue to follow her instincts because, you know, it, it was it was God awful in every regard. But man, did I make some really good decisions that worked to my benefit? Thankfully, because of these books, now those decisions are helping so many other people. But it's interesting; a lot of professionals or people in general, they they come to crisis and there's a fork in the road, and then they realize, oh gosh, I've been doing the wrong thing. Let me pivot, and instead, my fork in the road, my cancer just solidified every the entire foundation I had built that I was in the right career, that I was surrounded by the right people, and uh, those good decisions I made now. or I made an advance really got me through. So I hope that everybody assess your life, right? Assess your people, assess your profession, assess assess your health. My most important advice right here besides the self-exams, annual exams is prepare your body to do battle today because you do not know when illness or injury strikes. And if it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. A strong, fit, healthy body is far more likely to bounce back and recover quickly Than an unfit one. In fact, that strong fit body is far less likely to decline than an unfit one. So your actions today and every day they matter.
1: Prioritize them. Prioritize yourself. I love that a lot. Well, Miss Fitz, you have been an absolute amazing guest with us. Thank you so much. Now, where can we find more of? you thanks chef so fitness.com
2: is my home for everything f is in frank i t z is in zebra n is in nancy ess it's fitness with my z in the middle fitness.com that's where all three of my books are are being sold right now the cancer comeback series my noisy cancer comeback your healthy cancer comeback and the healthy cancer comeback journal um i have the fixing your life of fitness online course so anyone who's saying yeah i really need to get it together I have it all out there. It's a five plus hour course. It's affordable and it's effective. Man, I have people having such great success with this course, so I'm excited about it. And then as well on my website, there's thousands of free recipes and articles and thousands or not thousands, dozens or hundreds of free workout videos. My fitness show is there. So if you have enjoyed me, blah, 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 barking in your ear about living better (laughs) and living longer. Fitness is that I'm also at Fitness on social media, and here's the deal: um, if you find me at Instagram or YouTube or Facebook at Fitness, and you follow, fantastic. But really, reach out, say hi. I'd much rather know. I, I'd much rather you tell me you heard me on the Brodacious podcast because it, it's way better to have friends than just followers, and I, I sincerely mean, mean that. So. If you listen to John, Jonathan's show and you love it and you've enjoyed my episode, then then say hi to
1: me because I, I prefer new friends. That's fantastic. Well, please 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 listeners, make sure you go, you hit the likes, you hit the subscribe for Ms. Fitz here. Make sure you go and connect. Most of all, I believe that's the the human experience is not just likes and subs- likes and subscribes. It's obviously about connections and finding people to to be in your corner. And I'm I'm super excited to to have Ms. Fitz and learn about more about her journey and and just having that knowledge. And what I've enjoyed about this podcast is I've had guests like you, Miss Fitz, who've come on and brought the light into this world, and, and I'm just really thankful that you are here today. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you for having me, Chef, and I hope we get to do this again soon. Bye, everybody.
1: Thank you for listening to today's episode of A Brodacious
0: Life. We hope that you will like and subscribe to this show on whatever platform that you are listening to. Sign up for our newsletter at abrodaciouslife.com and follow us on Instagram. More importantly, we hope that you spend your day with faith, family, freedom, finance, and fun, and live brodaciously.